Hello and welcome to the Get Rich with Bond News preview show on today, February 2nd, 2017. I'm Eric DeVin and I'm joined by our regular panelists Nathan Staples and Adam White. We'll also have a special visit from Rich Allen to speak about Ren and their potentially disastrous January window. Uh, before we get started with previewing the matches, though, the Coupe de France had its round of 32 midweek, and the matches, particularly yesterday, had more than their fair share of excitement. On Tuesday, the higher-ranked teams generally had their way, with Bergerac's 2-0 defeat of Lens, the lone out-of-division upset. Bordeaux beat Dijon 2-1, thanks to a dramatic late winner from Gaetan Laborde. Lille top not 1-0 through Sebastian Korsch's penalty. Marseille got an extra-time winner from unlikely hero Doria in their 2-1 defeat of Lyon at the Velodrome. Yesterday saw a bit more in the way of giant killing, though, as relegation threatened Auger, thumped Saint-Étienne in extra time, 3-0. Gangamp were taken to extra time by fifth-tier Les Herbiers, and third-tier CA Bastia held off Nazi, 2-0. While Monaco, down to 10 men, played the day's most thrilling encounter, a 5-4 extra time win over FC Chambly. And Paris Saint-Germain did their duty as well, of course, recording a 4-0 routine win over Rennes. We'll have to wait a month for the round of 16, but the draw has served up some mouth-watering ties, including Angers with a difficult trip to CA Bastia and Marseille hosting Monaco. Uh, so then, gents, we'll get started with a brief review of that action. I know, Adam, you've watched a couple of matches, so I'll ask you, any takeaways from the cup action? I mean, not showed some good ambition against Lille, who've really come into form. Uh, they're unbeaten in six without conceding more than one goal in any match in that span. Uh, Patrick Cullo in the process has used a variety of tactics and with some of this new talent coming in, likes of Anwar Al-Ghazi, Ricardo Kishina, and others, could this be the start of another late-season rise of the table by Lille? We saw something similar last year, after all. Yeah, it seems to be the, the way their seasons seem to progress these days. They sort of start terribly, get rid of their manager, and then sort of slowly recover and end up last season. They came, what, they could finish, finish, finish fifth and made the Europa League, which obviously didn't go too well for them at the start of this season. But I think it is. I think I like the direction that they're going. They've made some interesting signings um, and some interesting leave, people, leave players leaving the club. Sankara going to Bordeaux was a, was a strange one, given that he's sort of only just signed. But um, I think they're very much another club, and there's another season for them on, on the up. I would just like to see them have the opportunity to start well and maintain that form to really see what they could do because they're, they're a big club obviously they won the league in, in 2011 and they're, they're one of the top in terms of size of clubs they're one of the top six so I think they're very much on the way up um, it, was, it wasn't the best game against against Nantes um, as you mentioned they, they were a bit more enterprising than usual perhaps most 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 so so far under Constantine Sal but um, it, was a, it was a drab game and Korshaw took his penalty well to, to avoid extra time but I think it's another step in the right direction for Leo and uh, hopefully Hopefully, we'll, we'll see them near the top of the table and using these these new some really interesting signings for Huli, Elgazi are good players. I hear I hear good things about Zeka from 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 Braga as well. So yeah, I think it's a it's an exciting time for them at the moment. All right, Nathan, what about Leon? And they struggled without Alexander Lacazette, but they did play a four three three for a change. Uh, even in a loss, do they take some heart from this match. A little bit. The the real worry, like you mentioned there, is that they struggled without Lacazette, which is the worry we had on Monday for them if that continues as well and he's out for a couple more games because they didn't really have the penetration. They didn't have that man in the middle of the park that really threatened Marseille on a consistent basis like Lacazette can do. I know he's been maybe a little bit in and out and a bit of a penalty master this season, but he's still a difference maker. He's still someone who stretches defenders and... and makes them think on the back foot and he is someone you have to take account of. And I don't think that was the same in this one. 
Genesio playing a 4-3-3, it will be a different formation next week probably. So it's 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 nice that he did play the 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 formation we really want to see this team play in, but I don't know if there's an enormous amount you can take from this game in all honesty. Um they played a little bit better, but they played better against Marseille in the league a couple of weeks ago. They're such a hot and cold team that it's so difficult to tell if it's so difficult to tell from week on week what which Leon is going to turn up at the moment. But I think going forward, at least, they should try this four through three. I think it works better for the players they have in midfield, especially. Yes, they have a number of attacking talents, but you can spread those out of those those three front men. And I don't know what you thought to the game, Eric. Obviously, you being the Leon fan, but what did you think to? to them and, and how they performed against the Marseille side that are at least boosted by the, the returns of Paye and the like. Yeah, I, I think that the changes that we saw uh, bringing on uh, the likes of Fakir and, uh, and Depay yeah, made them quite a bit more incisive, quite a bit sharper. I mean, Fakir, uh, I think, has been frustrated by a situation recently, but uh, I, I think he offers more directness uh, than, than do either Valbuena or uh, Gizal when they're on their game. Uh, Maxwell Cornet... Did not really impress as a striker. I would like to, if um, Lacazette's still injured, maybe see Depay get a chance there. I think that uh, with his pace and ability to drag players out of position, he could potentially be a catalyst there. I know he's generally been a winger, but I, I do think he has the right combination of uh, a, an eye for goal and, and upper body strength to play that role successfully. So we'll have to see what happens come Sunday. Um Moving on now to our league uh, focus, so we have an update on predictions. So, uh, Adam, we, we had Tony on uh, in a show that unfortunately did not uh, get recorded the way we wanted it to. Uh, so, we, we used his predictions in your stead. Uh, he did oh, manage stop, to pick stop. up a couple points for you. No, uh, good man, good man. 48. Uh, hmm. I'm on 49, and Nathan's on 40. Hmm. Um, so, let's start then looking at match day 23 with Saturday's big match. Uh, and that's Nice and Monaco. Uh, nice recorded a good win over Gangomp last weekend and are starting to have some semblance of the regular team back with Johan Cardinal and Jean-Michel Serri both making their returns. Uh, Nathan, doubts still linger over Nice, though. Do Les Aiglons need to win this to put themselves back um, back where they were uh, prior to the break in terms of being title favorites, contenders? Absolutely. I think they need to win this game if they want to be in that title race for the for the long haul what champions league i think is something they'll probably so open I, I can't imagine them falling off the horse that dramatically that that excuse me that leon would catch them unless they had a really dramatic fall and, and really started losing a, a number of games but yes they need to win this one they looked much better against gangomp at the weekend they had some hairy moments at the start of the second half but especially in the first half they looked after the first five ten minutes, where they sort of settled into the rhythm a little bit more, they look much better. And instantly, the, <laughs> the one man you point out is Jean-Michel Serri, who's a fantastic footballer. They've really missed him. I think he brings a much more of a balance to this midfield. Um, I mentioned a couple, I think a week or so ago that Romeo Walter really, really struggled without him in the sense that he was maybe plowing a bit too forward. Cyprian wasn't disciplined enough without him. With him back in there, Cyprian did take that sort of more a reserved role but he does it so much better when there's a player closer to him reminding him that he needs to sit in front of that defence and protect them at times and it made such a difference because Yellow was given more room to express himself and be that wonderful wonderful player that he can be and we know he can be uh, Balotelli was decent and although he drifted in and out of the game he scores his goal as he always seems to do 
player was decent as well. The defence was reasonably solid other than, like I say, that I say about 15, 20 minutes after the second half where Brion brought Gangompin back into the game. But yeah, they need to win this one. It's going to be a tough game. Monaco might be a little bit flagging after that extra time. That's maybe their semblance of hope. They've obviously had the week off. So I don't think that you can count Leeds out completely. The doubts are there because of that everyone thinks they're going to fall away. But if they can keep people fit, if Belonda can come back sooner rather than later, um, and they can keep that same eleven, much like I don't want to, I don't want to put a curse on them, but like someone like Leicester City did last season, where they played a, a similar starting eleven every week. If they can manage to do that down this second, uh, this uh, closing stretch of the season, and they win this game, they are going to be there or thereabouts. All right, Adam. Let's look at Monaco, who, after almost being embarrassed in the Coupe de France midweek, should be riding high after their command performance in Paris. Are they still title favorites, regardless of this result? I think I think they probably are. I I I have, I, I, I maintain the the point of view that for me they're the best team in France at the moment, regardless of if obviously PSG has spent pretty well in in the January transfer window, and I think that's almost a sign of respect to to how well Monaco have done. That I think PSG are generally quite worried that you know, the title isn't going to fall into their lap as it has for the last three or four years. So I, I think that's a, a real sort of real dot of their cap, if you like, to, to how well Monaco are playing. Um, if they were to lose this game, they'd be, what, three points behind Nice and PSG probably would win their game. They'd be level with PSG. So it really would put, put, the, put the title race back, back amongst, you know, the, back, back in, the, in the throng, if you like. So it would be a big blow for them to lose. But should they win it, they don't necessarily end Nice's challenge, but it makes it look very difficult for Nice now, given that they've lost to another one of their big title rivals, and PSG is still playing catch-up. So a win here would really cement their place, place as favourites and perhaps end Nice's challenge to some extent. Like obviously, obviously, there's a long way to go, and there are a lot of points to play for, and the gap isn't too big. But um, I think Monaco will really take heart from that performance at PSG last week. It was probably the first time in, in years that PSG have looked like the second-best side at, at home at the part of France in Ligue 1. And Monaco deserved to win that game. The fact that they had to uh, survive off that Bernardo Silva equaliser for an injury time was incredible, really. They were the better team for for pretty much the entire game. So um, they look like the best team in France, and for me, they're, they're, they're favourites here. One thing that could work in their favour, um, quite oddly, is that I fancy them to beat Manchester City in the Champions League, and I fancy PSG quite obviously to lose to Barcelona. So it could come to the fact where PSG not being in Europe could be a, could be a helpful factor over those weekends, and Monaco might have a difficult quarter-final with someone, maybe even semi-final, where PSG don't. So that's a, a factor to consider, perhaps. But I think... Monaco are the best team in France, and that, that should that should keep them as favourites, regardless of the result. Unless they really, you know, unless there's some aberration, I, I think yeah, they're still favourites. All right, what is your score prediction then, Adam? Oh, three-one Monaco. All right. Okay, Nathan. One all. Okay, uh, I am going to go with a scoreless draw, and then. Uh, I am going to bring in uh, Rich Allen now. Rich is an uh, expert on Ren who writes for French Football Weekly, among other sites, um, just to try and get a handle on what's been going on with their winter window. So here is a previously recorded clip with Rich ahead of our preview of Bordeaux versus Rennes. All right, we're here now with Rich Allen. I can find him on Twitter at Rich underscore Allen 85. Rich is a distinguished writer for French Football Weekly and is a Rennes expert. So, Rich, we've had a, a very interesting window from Rennes. Uh, disappointing, I would say, overall. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on the window? Is this a build-up for summer? Is this a giving up the ghost? What's going on at the club? Uh, there's a, there is a big, big feeling that's been very underwhelming. Um, main departures, of course, are Paul George and Tep and, and Campbell Grzycki. Lost them for considering their talent, relatively low, you know, relatively low prices. Um, I mean, looking at eight or nine million for for Antec and, and not a great deal more for Grzycki, which considering he went to the Premier League and everything that we can, you know, we know about the Premier League and their love for splashing the cash. Um, does make you feel as though they perhaps undersold him and, and was a player that obviously obviously wanted to go. So uh, you then look at the replacements and, and there's not a great deal to get excited about. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of uh, dissatisfaction amongst Ren fans that the the board really are sort of contradicting themselves. Um, we've had Ren president Rene Ruello come out um, very recently. Um, in, in the local press saying, look, you know, our strategy and our plan for the club is developing these young talents through the academy, you know, watching them progress, developing them into these great players, and then obviously, you know, the big clubs are going to come along and, and take them. We're not in the market. And this is, this is pretty direct quote, really. We're not in the market for 29 to 30-year-old players. That's then, only a couple of hours later, they announced the signing of 31-year-old Morgan Amalfitano, which probably is a sign. I've got nothing against the player, but it's a signing that probably sums up Ren's transfer window of incredibly underwhelming. So, do you feel uh, that this is a statement of intent in terms of the club's belief in the likes of Adama Diakabi and Adrian Hunu, or is it just simply these prices are too are too good to ignore for for the club? It's difficult to say the prices are too difficult to ignore because they are, they're such a financially secure club. They've got one of France's richest businessmen um, you know, behind the scenes that owns the club. There's now been a big, big, big turn within the fan base um, of now's the time that this guy needs to be putting the, the money into the club, really. You know, he's kept them financially sound for, for a long period of time. We now need to push on. We know that we're, you know, we know we've got the academy that can produce these talented players. I go as long as as far as saying Yoris Nyanyon has been one of the standout young players in the entire league this season. Um, so we know that, but we, we can't rely on that. We have to, you know, you have to bring in those experienced players to play alongside them, and that does mean you've got to spend the money. You know, you can't go window to window picking up free transfers of players who are either not good enough or just over the hill. So I see this as a turning point, but I see it as a turning point sort of almost behind the scenes, you know, with the fans and the relationship with the club. There's a feeling now that actually, you know what, they're getting to enough's enough. You know, we need to see what the sort of positive going forward plan is and just sitting relying on the youth sadly is not going to be enough. All right. Can we say anything positive about the players being brought in? Uh, international. Russian uh, Bolton uh, is international as well. I, I'm relatively, I'm relatively okay with the Mboli deal because it, you know we know Costil will leave. Sadly, it's going to mean he's going to leave in the summer on a free. He's not going to hang around. He's he is now to the point where this is his chance to get that big move. And so he'll get that big move. I've no doubt about that in the summer. So to bring Mboli in, he's an experienced goalkeeper. 
you know, he's not, uh, you know, he's not an amazing goalkeeper. He's not going to be as good as Costil, but he's going to ease that transition a little bit. Paul Nardi's probably now in Belgium thinking, why didn't this happen back in the summer? And a lot of Ren fans may be thinking that as well because we were quite excited to bring Nardi to the club, but then you know, got zero to or one chance in a Coupola League match and conceded seven to Monaco. Um, and Bully, yeah, I'm, I'm relatively okay. I was initially quite looking forward to seeing what Kalulu could do. And it's still too early, I think, to make a judgment on that, but he's, he's not been particularly impressive. It, the system that Ren are playing doesn't suit him. I think him as a lone striker up front with Gorkouf just behind, it, it doesn't work. I actually would quite, I know he's, it's not his perhaps favourite position. I'd quite like to see him play it a little bit out wide. And I think with perhaps Co uh, returning from the African Cup of Nations and Wesley Saeed returning from a slight knock, I think we might start to see that. And that's where we might see a bit more from him. Um, but I do think they could have added a bit more, a bit more spice to that team. It's, there is a spark lacking. Now with Grzycki gone, with Ntek gone, there is just that spark that's missing. All right, and then what about Christian Gorkouf? I mean, is he, he, he signed up for a project that's, that has a, a positive cast to it. And selling players in this manner, uh, is that something you're worried about him potentially departing as well? Christian Gorkouf is the right manager for the projects in so much as bringing the youth through. You know, we, we've seen him do that time, time and again with players at L'Oreal. He's a good coach to, to, for the young players to learn from. I have no concern over that. What I have a concern for is I don't see him as a, the, you know, the long-term coach. You don't see him there in you know, five years' time taking us to that next step. He, for me... When um, when we were you know, looking for a coach back in the summer, I was praying beyond belief we'd go for Gorvanek. You know, there was the history there with him having played for us. Um, it, it seemed to be the perfect match. They missed out on him. They signed Gorkouf, uh, brought Gorkouf in as coach. Not a huge problem with that, but I think he will be concerned um, over exactly what's he being asked to do. It seems that he's been asked to do a very difficult job and quite tricky circumstances um, uh, the fans are still on his side the fans I think can see that he is trying to do this and make the best out of a bad situation you know he's not doing the in, you know, huge wholesale changes see with the likes of Montagnier you know he's got a good core squad he's brought players through into the first team and they've really shone um, so the, the, the fans are very much on his side still Towards the end of the season, and as you know, the slim chances of European qualification slip further and further away, as I'm sure they will. We'll see whether that that changes. But for now, I think he's got fans on side. He's got the board on side. But I think the trust between from him to the board is perhaps slightly strained. I think over the last uh, over the last few weeks. All right, and finally, you know, Ben have taken in quite a bit of money: the sale of Dembele, the sale of Morera. And these these two big sales in the winter. Is there any chance the club loosen the press strings in the summer, or is this going to be either rinse repeat with a bunch of cut rate players? Um, my, 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 I'd like to think that what they will see is 
you know, we have these talented young players. We, you know, we have the likes of Adama Diakam. We have the likes of of Yoris Nyanyo, and we saw very fleetingly recently in the long game um, James Lear Saliki, who had a you know, pretty decent, quite exciting uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. So the young players are there. I think Christian Gorkouf has been, you know, he's been there, seen it all. He's got the know-how, and he will go to the board saying, "Look, we're going to need some money." Whether then the board will listen to him, you'd like to think a player, a coach with the experience that Gorkouf has got and the success that he had actually on quite a, a limited budget, I suppose, at, at L'Oreal. I'd like to think that they would. I think, they, I think they're going to be forced to. I think we're going to see more and more protests, if you like, both social media-wise and perhaps also in the flesh from the fans. And I think that's one thing that, the, that actually has, over the years, been quite a good relationship between fans and, and, and the club. And they're not going to want to ruin that. And I, th- I think we will see a bit more money than we've seen in previous windows spent with Rand. So, fingers crossed. All right. Thank you very much. Rich Allen, uh, you can find him on Twitter at rich underscore Allen 85, a uh, Rand fan and writer for French Football Weekly. Thank you very much for joining us, Rich, and shedding some light on a confusing, bizarre, frustrating, <laughs> choose your adjective window for Sandra and A. Thank My you. pleasure. Thank you. All right, and that was a little clip recorded earlier in the day with Rich Allen. So now we've heard our expert on Wren. How does this match stack up? Nathan, do they have a chance against Bordeaux, who seem to have shrugged off their loss to PSG in the Coupe de la League, and they've even strengthened in midfield with Tino Sankare? Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting signing, to be fair, especially with uh, Gregory Sertic leaving to to Marseille. And I'm, I'm sure Rich will be disappointed that the man he wanted in the summer in Govanek is in the dugout against him at the weekend. I, I think Bodo have really improved in the last couple of weeks. I've been really impressed by the, the progress of Valentin Varda in the midfield. I think he's a really interesting player. I, I've seen him a few times last season and he seemed a bit more defensive. All of a sudden he's turned into sort of a more box-to-box kind of player and scoring goals. He probably should have scored a couple against Toulouse as well other than Lafont and the and the, the post-keeping amount. So yeah, this is a really interesting Bordeaux team now with, with Malcolm finding the minutes you've you've mentioned in the past, Eric, that Unas is out at really out of the picture at the moment. So that's the one who's getting his chance in, in Malcolm. They look more dangerous. Laporte's been really decent as well in, in that centre forward position. I think he's a, a really important player for them now and, and really gives them a focal point in this side. And I I'm I worry about how what how competitive at least in the top end of the table, Ren will be with those departures that they've lost. And Tep was such a big player. Um, Grosicki, although fleeting, he can be really, really good or really, really bad, depending on what day and what side of the bed he decides to roll out of on that day. I I think that with the momentum they've got at the moment, Bordeaux, with the... the, the they really lack a, a focal point, and, and Rich touched upon it very, very expertly that they don't really have a spark. They only, they, I worry that they're probably putting a little bit too much weight on the shoulders of a, a young Diacarbe to try and make something special happen, and maybe having a, a, a breakout season in his own right, where he's, he's shown glimpses of being really, really talented. But I wouldn't put the weight of the world on his shoulders just like, which is seemingly what will happen. So, yeah, I really worry for Ren in this one. All right, let's get our predictions then, Nathan. I will start with you. Uh, I'll go 2 0 Bordeaux. Okay. And I will go with a 1 1 draw. Seems to be Ren's preferred results of late. Adam, yourself? Uh, 1 0 Bordeaux. 
okay. Before we move on to our last two matches, I did want to take a, a more expensive look at the window. Um, so two questions for you guys. Uh, one, what is the best individual move in Liga? That's one player being purchased by a club. Adam, I'll start with you. Um, I'm going to go with one that, that I was really happy to see. And as a Manchester United fan, I'm very happy that he's returned to Liga, and that's Patrice Evra. I realise that it's probably one from slightly left field, given the you know the money flying around with Depay and Draxler and 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 Payet. But I think one thing that the Marseille defence has lacked for some time is a leader. And if, any, if Patrice Evra is anything, he's a personality and he's a leader. And I think he's going to add so much to that that back four. It's, it's just just for his presence both on and off the pitch. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him back in the league. I think he will really make that defence just just from his sheer force of personality alone a much much more solid unit. And as as a sort of lead by example and help those other players through through the through the game. So um, in this league, he he'll be really really effective. And it's great to see him back in the league. So Patrice ever for me is as the best individual signing. Um, and probably Marseille is the best team overall. I think when you look at Sanson, Sertic could be a really good player. Perhaps he'll play at centre-back. Um, Payet obviously is going to be fantastic. So yeah, I think they've, they've made some really good signings overall. So Evero and Marseille for me. All right. Nathan, what about yourself? Individual and team? Well, yeah, there's been some really interesting signings. Obviously, the the, the headliners are the likes of Payet and, and Draxler obviously going places and uh, um, there's been some interesting signings here and there of young players, but I it's going to sound a little, maybe a little left field, but I really like Bastia's signing of Prince Onyange on loan from Wolves. I know he's not really done too much in England, but and we've seen him quite a bit at France, formerly at Rance, but especially in that game against Nice, he was absolutely terrific in that midfield role of being a little bit more unshackled than he was previously in France, where he was used in a, as a defensive midfielder and. And he was sometimes at, at, at Wolves as well. But with Yannick Kawasak in that middle and, and Mustafa, who are more um, bruises is maybe the nice way of putting it, really. <laughs> They're the, the enforcers in that Bastia midfield. And they really struggled for a link between them and the likes of Crivelli and Alan Saint-Maximin. And I think Onyange is that man, especially in that game, like I mentioned, against a, a Champions League chasing side. He was absolutely relentlessly hounding Malang Sar and it really upset the youngster and he was absolutely phenomenal in that game and I think having someone like that in the team may make the difference between staying up and staying down in all honesty and that's what you really want from a from a signing it's the same I think Diabate as well at Mets might be that kind of signing because the goals he might bring he might be enough to keep them up those kind of signings for bottom teams are absolutely crucial and I think that's a really good one in terms of team um, I would I'm leaning on the fence. I would agree with Adam. I think Marseille have had a terrific window, but I'm actually going to go with Lille. They did a lot of their business in the last minute with about seven coming through the door as if they were rushing them all through as soon as they could. Um, I really like the... They, they've got some really interesting signings. We've already mentioned a few of them. Anwar Al-Ghazi had a really good six months last season at, at Ajax. He fell off a little bit and he's gone down the pecking order this season. So if he can pick back up the form that he showed earlier, which was... Uh, electric with great finishes from distance. I'm really excited about him. And the same with uh, Kishno, who's obviously formerly of Ajax and went to Lazio, and a lot was expected of him as well um, after sparkling in the Eredivisie. Um, they're both really interesting, quick attacking players, and that's what Lille have really missed with Edir up front. He's very lackadaisical. Um, whenever Depreville has been on the field, it's been more exciting. Lopez has got more involved, but you can move him into a more central position with those two playing out wide and, and possibly Benzia in there. It makes a much more exciting, interesting Lille attack with a load of young, quick, 
exciting footballers that could really be a basis, basis maybe in next season of a, a mini Monaco almost, like a budget Monaco, which is um, a really exciting way and interesting way of doing it. And I, I'm really looking forward to see how, in how all these new players and all these young players blend together. All right. I will chime in here as well. Uh, I think that for an individual signing, I would have to go with Morgan Sanson. I think that this player is really talented, incredibly versatile, has a great drive, great motor, can lovely tackler of the ball, uh, can also get forward really well. I think that he, that particularly if Marseille would continue with his 4-3-3, uh, he's a building block of this team for the next four or five years, and he can continue to evolve with the team to be uh, you know, of a European standard. Um, potentially, you know, making his debut with the senior team for France and seeing this team play in either the Europa League or the Champions League. Uh, for team, for team, I know this may sound a little bit strange given their placement in the table, but I really think Mets did well. Um, I think Czech Diabate has looked strong in both matches he's played in. It gives that team a, a more much more consistent outlet than than Melvin Erding, uh and or or uh, Haji. Um, and I think that uh, I follow Dianya as well. Um, he was a solid player at Ren, and I think is a good option, whether he's using central defense or in defensive midfield. Whether or not Mets stay up, I don't know, but I think that they do deserve quite a bit of credit for getting proven league on performers uh, in positions of need, um, even even if they are struggling a bit. And now, uh, moving on now, uh, who did who had the worst business? Uh, Adam, I'll start with you. Um, it's an interesting one. I, I, I'm going to go with a, a pair of answers, both relegation fighting clubs. Firstly, I think Lorient have have missed an opportunity massively. Uh, given that the players that they've sold for <clears throat> over the past over the past six months or so, Guerrero, and um, Yanju, uh, and Dong, they didn't replace them in the summer. And I was hoping that they'd sort of stay in touch because I quite like them as a club. I think they're a really interesting team. That so they sort of limp along to the transfer window, and then they they go out and they'd really go and replace those players. And I I really don't think that. They've really been able to do that. I know that Wakaso was really highly thought of at Rio Ave in, in Portugal. The Portuguese on rates him really highly. Um, but I, I don't know that they've really gone and replaced those players overall. So I, I was expecting them to really go, you know, really bring in some players and they'd be fine. But now I think even with Pyburns in there as well, even though he's a solid defender and he's been good at Bastia for, for a number of, number of seasons, it's, it's, I don't know if it's enough. So I think that they're in trouble still. And down there as well, I think, although it's sort of gone under the radar a little bit, um, but Nancy losing Clement Longley is, is a huge a huge loss for them. He was the only player that was really guaranteed a place in, in Angel Carrera's team, given he's such a, such a love rotating for virtually no reason whatsoever. But it's working for them. You know, they're up to sort of lower mid-table and they, they, given they started the season so poorly and looked out of their depth, it's really worked. But um, that he was like the core of that team. He, he really held the defence together and not just the back four, but the, the, def- the defensive midfielders in front of him. And he was a real leader even being only 21 and he's very, very deservedly gone to Sevilla. Um, I think he was a fantastic player for them, but they haven't replaced him at all. They've only brought Alexi Busan back on loan from Ligue 2. So there isn't really a natural replacement to him. I know that um, um, Diang and, and, and that defender, the rest of the defenders filling in have done, actually done very well. I, I, quite, I quite like that, that back four, but even so, they're not of the quality of Longley. So both teams are going to struggle, I think, for the rest of the year, having not replaced the players they've lost. And Nathan, who, who's had the poorest window for you? Um, I think, again, it, for me, it's, it's, it's maybe two teams. We've already touched on Wren and they've had a poor window, but I'll skip over them. The other, the other team is, for a slightly odd reason, so I'll, I'll explain myself, it's Saint-Etienne, who have barely done anything anyway. <laughs> 
um, and they are a bit boring. But it's particularly, uh, and I don't know how many people of our of viewers would have seen this, but the the Anthony Mounier saga is probably the best way to describe it. Um, he was brought on loan by the club from Bologna on Friday, January twenty seventh, and he is now on loan back in Italy. Um, we're not quite sure how. So he's either been bought fully outright by the club because there was a supposedly a buy option in the Bologna deal, or he's been ter- that's been terminated and Bologna have allowed that and he's gone back on loan in Italy. But it's one of the weirdest things I've seen that a player returning to France and then going back to Italy in about a four-day span. It was a very, very, very strange one. But I do want to quickly mention on the positive sides we've missed out. Um, I want to quickly say Toulouse did really well in bringing in... Um, uh, Delors and they've brought in Corentin Jean on loan. They could be really interesting signings for them as well. But yeah, the, I don't know what Leverre were doing. I, I don't know what happened on that. On the, uh, it was almost like they needed to sign someone and then realised they didn't really want him and then thought, well, never mind. Strange. <laughs> All right, I I would have to concur with your assessment, Nathan, and, and that of Rich of Ren. I, I just think the Diak- the Diakabi and who knew are fantastic prospects, but I don't know that. They're ready to take the, the step up to be week-in, week-out starters. Having Grosicki and having Pedro Enrique, having Paul George Intep there is a bit of a safety net, a bit of, a bit of veteran skill, I think was really important for Ren. I, I do think that they've missed a trick, especially given how there's not really been a team that's struggled, uh, that's managed to establish itself, I should say, uh, outside of that top three. So let's move on now to that team that did so well. Uh, Adam will speak to you about Toulouse. Uh, does the signing of Delore mean that Toulouse are going back to the 4-4-2 they used at times last season? And also, where does this leave Oscar Trejo, who for me has had a pretty decent season? Yeah, um, the two very interesting questions. Uh, the signing of Delore, you know, I've been thinking about it quite a lot this week and where, how they're going to shape up. And I have a feeling that the Prez would rather keep the 4-5-1 or the 4-3-3 that he's been He's been using and used well at times. Obviously, they've tailed off massively in the last couple of months, three months maybe. But I think Andy Law will play through the middle, and I think Martin Braithwaite will be moved out to the left, um, a position he he played quite really quite well last season when they had Wassim Benyeda, and he played up front, and Braithwaite was very much sort of on the left-hand side. De Praz likes to play, the only issue with that is that De Praz likes to play, or at least has this season, played very workman-like wider players. So you've seen like Isiaga Silla, Somalia, those sort of players playing at least one side of Jimmy Dermaz on the other side, which is slightly unbalanced because he's so much more attacking. Perhaps that's part of the reason behind that. So it would be a little bit of a shift because you have to imagine that Dermaz would then continue to start with Braithwaite on the side. And those front three of Dermaz, Delore and Braithwaite looks looks really quite exciting for for, for for Toulouse. In terms of Trejo, I think he he has done really well. There was a period, perhaps when um, a long time ago, when perhaps when he was in the side when they had Adrian Regatan and Alan Casanova was there, and um, he he his form sort of tailed off a little bit, and obviously that he was sacked, and they, they they evolved quite a lot over then. And he hasn't really been part of the team until Dupraz turned up and he was coming off the bench and he scored that goal against. Trois, which was a huge stem to stay up at the end of last season. And this season, Dupraz has said a couple of times, him and Alexis Blanc, who, who is a very, very underrated player, in my opinion, both of those two players in the field are crucial for the way that they play. And if you, if you look at the way that they started the season, which was so fantastic, all action beating Monaco and PSG at home, and you know they, they really looked like they could challenge for Europe. It came to sort of early November, Trejo and Blanc got, both got injured, and Alexis Blanc, despite coming back, has had that heel injury, which has really been a niggly thing. And him and Trejo between them really run that midfield. So Trejo, I think, would 
from the Prazis' point of view, would have to remain in the side. He's used him at attacking midfield and in central midfield at times. So I think even if they were to switch to 4-4-2, which they might do, if they're chasing games, you know, they might, Quentin Jean might come on and they might have that front four, him joining the front four. You've still got Blas, that holding player, who can really get about and really do water-carrying midfield and, you know, protects the back four really well. And Trejo, who has proven that he's effective both in central midfield alongside perhaps one or two players in there as well. We've seen that Dumbia come back. Jan Bodega, I'm a fan of as well in that position. Or we can play behind the striker in a 4-2-3-1 or perhaps the furthest forward of a three in midfield. So I think Trejo is fine. I think he, he's an important player for them. And it's just whether Braithwaite can maintain the form that he showed on the left-hand side when they had Ben Yedder last year. So I think it's actually really exciting for Toulouse. I'm really looking forward to see it. It's, it hasn't worked out for Ola Toivonen at all, though, this transfer window. It seems like his, his, uh, his place in the team is very much under threat, having having not started for the last three games. So but it, he's a great option to have there as well. So I think um, it's really good business, as, as we mentioned, for, for Toulouse. And exciting to see how they line up. But let's hope Braithwaite can, can maintain the form, because I imagine he may leave in the summer, which is partly the reason Dolores come in. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting for them. It would be great to see them back, back challenging for the top six. All right, Nathan, I'll speak about their opponents with you. Anjay have had some Connie signings this winter. Uh, I really like the arrival of Issa Sissoko. I thought he was fantastic when he was with Nott. Really a lot of great energy running up and down the flank there. They've got their AFCON returnees as well. There's still no money spent. Uh, does this team require a rethink tactically, or should Moulin stick with this 4-3-3, even with this flux of returnees and, and our new arrivals? Yeah, it's a strange one because I don't think there's another team possibly in Europe with that many different players coming back and, and a couple of signings, obviously, during the window as well. I don't think there's there's many teams with so much of a, a sudden influx of, of players again. So it might need a rethink and, and trying something different because the 4-3-3 is just not working. They're not... They they were better at the weekend, but this is the long first time in a long time we've seen Andre do anything of note. Really, they've been really really poor in the last couple of all well, the last couple of months. We mentioned it before the um, the breakup that they had a terrible December that was followed by a tepid November. Uh, they got that win against Mets last weekend, then they got the win in the cup as well. But yeah, as as Adam mentioned, the the attacking players that Toulouse have now are available to them it makes them really interesting in this one. And uh, with Andre's defence, who I can't remember the last time they've kept a clean sheet, I'm trying to look. Uh, week 12 against Lille, um, when they were pretty poor as well. So it's it's been a long while, and that's including cup games against Granville. And uh, <laughs> that should tell you enough. They can't keep teams out. They're struggling to score enough goals as it is themselves. They've... Popped in a few in the last couple of weeks. Do they play a four-four-two maybe with the players returning more attacking intent? I'm not so sure. It's a tough one. I would, if I'm Mulan and, and the position they're currently in, they're just outside of the uh, the bottom three at the moment. They've sort of leaped out of that hole with that win at the weekend, but they're still in that conglomerate of teams in that area. I may be, I may be risking maybe slightly more defensive display and hold out for a point and see the fixtures going ahead. Unless he thinks there's a there's a chance of something coming out of this one, and he can get it early and then sit up, pack up shop, then maybe. But it's a tough one because they are even with inclusions, even with people coming back from Afcon, um, and then you take into account Pepe being just maybe a bit 
uh, disgruntled might not be the right word because he wasn't really looking for the door, but he's maybe looking towards that at the moment, especially in the summer. Um, the same with Ndoy, whose contract will go out in the end of this season. He'll definitely be leaving as well. It's an interesting time for Angers. And I, I, I'm not so sure they can, they, they've got the strength to change. And if they do, it might be too much of a risk in a game away from home against a team like Toulouse. All right. Good at predictions now. I'm going to personally go with a 2-0 Toulouse win here. I think that Dolores is a fantastic signing. Just about any club in league, I would be happy to have him. So well done to the TFC for picking him up. Adam, what about yourself? 2-1 uh, Toulouse for me. Hey, Nathan. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit horrible and say 4-0 Toulouse. All right. Hmm. Big line. So let's finish things off then with a discussion of the Rhone Derby, and that's Leon visiting St. Etienne. This match does not have the sparkle it has in some seasons past. Adam, Sainte have been scoring more, but there has been an element of luck to some of their play. Can they show us they can turn in a legitimate attacking performance, especially with Leon and their weakened defense without Mutardi Akabi? I, I have a feeling that they, they won't. I, I They have been a little bit more effective in attacking areas, but whether they can turn in a, like a, a, a legitimate, legitimate attacking performance against against Leon is very much very much in question. I think nothing really changes for Etienne. It's they're, they're very although they're home for this this game. The, the, um, Gautier likes to play three centre backs against Leon. I, I know that he switches that between four three three and and that sort of five four one three three five two sort of situation <clears throat> quite often, but he, he always seems to use that for the derby and and it has done a number of times in recent years so it's almost like they're not in this game they they try and play it safe and I, I don't see them really having the attacking potential to start with to, to, to even if they did play that 43 to pose that much of a threat in this game they're really sort of all right they, they, they're up to what fifth and fifth or sixth in the league now so they, they are they're returning to the position where we expect them to be but it's like you said it's almost been a little bit out of luck so I think they're sort of they're sort of bumbling along a little bit at the moment. Obviously, the tie of Manchester United is huge, but I don't see them getting past them. So I think that avenue of success, if you like, for Gauti has kind of been cut off, and their league form is really going to define their season now. And I think, as we mentioned last week on the pod, if Gauti doesn't get into the top, into top, as I mentioned personally, if he doesn't get into the top five or six, and they don't get to Europe again, you know, he's going to be very close to the, the exit door. But I just don't see them getting anything from this game, despite being at home. Last season, they got it was it was very much like the PSG Monaco game last last week, where Leon were very much the better team, and Soderlund nipped in at the end with Setsnetin's seemingly only chance of the game to steal steal the victory, and that's the only way I see them getting anything from from this game with you know stealing it as they did on the counter last year. So without Berich, who's back in training, but as we said before, can't keep himself fit. They're really lacking in in a genuine finisher. So. I don't know that they're really going to provide much of an attacking threat in this game, but then that's nothing new with Sinetian. That's as as Nathan said rightly before, they are a bit boring and possibly the the least inspiring team in in the league at some time, at some point. So I, I don't I don't hold my hope for them coming into this one. All right, Nathan. And final question to you. This is a massive occasion for Bruno Genesio. There's a loss here, which which would see Saint Etienne just a point behind Lyon. Mean the end of his reign, or does he deserve to take this team further, particularly into the Europa League? In terms of this season, I don't think they'll get rid of Bruno Genesio because there's not a name out there that springs to my mind, at least, that's a suitable enough replacement at this moment in time. Um, a loss here. Might... Well, just Remigard? 
He's in the yeah. background. Uh, he's, a, he's a name. <laughs> it's not that, it's, it's, I don't think that's going to inspire a lot of people if you say Re- Remy Gard is joining me on uh, through his spell at Naughty. Wasn't <laughs> no Remy Gard, the former Leon manager. Oh right, yes, yes. Um, then again, Aston Villa. I, I know it's a difficult circumstances and everything, but it's. Is it a good enough appointment for a club like Leon that should be looking at Champions League football? Personally, no. Um, which means I think they'll stick with him until the end of the season, unless, unless, unless or less thinks a loss here is that significant that maybe even Remy Gard comes in for the for the rest of the season. Maybe, um, but I think they see it out until the end of the season. I think he doesn't stay any longer than that. He's not good enough. Um, I briefly touched upon it earlier that he doesn't know his best formation. Um, it's tried three five two. He's tried four two three one. He's tried four three three. He's tried four four two. He's tried a four four one two one two as well. He's tried Talisa at right back. He's tried him at centre attacking mid. He's tried him at defensive mid. He's tried him as a regular box to box midfielder. Uh, although he's good at all of them, <laughs> strangely enough, um, he just doesn't know what he can do with this team. And it's it's a potluck of what's going to happen. It's spinning a roulette wheel every week, wondering what Leon team will, will will turn up. And that's, for me, with the talent they have and the talent they've shown in Liga in the past, that's entirely down to the manager. And we mentioned this um, before the start of the season that we th- I thought that Genesio should have gone in the summer and they should have tried to bring in a bigger name if they could. Um, I don't think he's good enough. And... and Maybe, like I say, maybe a loss at the weekend does signal his end. But I think they'll they'll stick with him to the end of the season because they've got no other options really. And then he will go. Um, and then hopefully, with the amount of spending going around Leon, they so they can bring in someone that can inspire the squad again because it might look completely different next season. All right. What about score predictions, Adam? Yourself? Uh, two 0 Leon. Okay, Nathan. Do we know the status of Lacazette? Do we know if he's... He's going to announce our squad still the day before. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Right, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk that he doesn't play and I'm going to say this has nil nil written all over it. <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one draw. Then uh, That is all for this week. Be sure to join us again on Monday as we recap a busy weekend in Liga and look forward to next week's midweek fixtures again. Liga is playing three matches in the next eight days, uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Rich Allen. You can follow him on Twitter at Rich underscore Allen 85. For Nathan Staples and Adam White, I've been Eric Devin. Be sure to visit us online at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. Thank you and speak to you next week. <laughs>